Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> Good luck, Adam. Thank sort you, Bye. Yes. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Here I come. Stand back. Good luck, Adam. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, mush. Does Paula have what it takes to guide a team of sled dogs across the frozen tundra to the North Pole? Probably not. It's been almost a year since theater shut down. It may be time to take up a new occupation, like Polar Explorer and Bancroft, one of the world's preeminent polar explorers who dog sled 1,000 miles and 56 days to become the first woman in history to cross the ice to the North Pole. She's here to tell Paula how to hitch up her huskies and head north. Pull on your mucklucks, Paula. You're going to need them. Plus, the Department of Corrections. You've pointed out errors in our podcast. We're here to set the record straight. Is white noise syndrome really a virus? Or is it a bad habit? Keep listening to find out. I'm Adam Felber, the man who every week tries to drive our conversational sled due north to the gleaming pole of coherency. And now, please welcome the woman who follows the Aurora Borealis to the shimmering land of topical illusion... Paula Poundstone! Yay! Um, well, thank you very much. So nice to be with you guys. Uh, and before we begin, uh, I would like to thank our house band, Ansel Norris, trumpeter and multi-instrumentalist. Ooh, Fantastico. it sounded good. Yay. Yeah. Whew. I, I love the trumpet. Uh uh, you Me know, too. Goes with goes without saying, given my own personal musical background. Adam, um, so I'm flying to Massachusetts. Did I tell you that? Uh, no. Yeah, you no. told me you were flying out of town, so you're you're leaving here. Yeah, not right now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not flying now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fly to Massachusetts. A friend told me that you have to have a COVID test uh, to fly. So I looked it up on the airline website, and, and I was kind of nervous, so I might not have focused properly. I thought it said that you had to have a COVID test no earlier than three days before you fly. I got an appointment with the urgent care near me. They said in order for insurance to pay for it, you had to see a doctor. So I get there, and a nurse comes in. He says, do you want both tests? And I said, I'm flying in a couple of days. I just want whatever I need to fly. He says, and, and he was talking from behind a mask, but also very, very fast. He says, do you want both? I said, do I need both? I said, <laughs> I said, when do the test results come back? And he goes, well, the Acme 350 Turbo comes back in 30 minutes, and the RD 259-438, which is what the airlines usually like, comes back in three to five days. I said, three to five days doesn't do me any good because the airlines say that you can't do it 
more than three days out from when you travel. So he said, maybe they can speed the results. Do you want both? I said, uh, I guess so. <laughs> and he, he leaves, and in a few minutes, the doctor comes in, uh, 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 the very fast. Uh, now, what makes him more highly trained than the nurse is that he talks faster. He says, okay. hi, Paula, what are your symptoms? I said, I don't have any symptoms. I'm just here for a COVID test. He said, okay. Uh, has he done the nasal probe yet? I said, no. He said, well, he will. <laughs> and then he left the room. <laughs> that was it. That was my doctor's visit. The nurse comes back in. He does the tests. I okay. go to the front desk. I say, I see a sign, because there was a sign there. I see a sign that says the airlines don't like the 30-minute test, might, might not accept the 30-minute test. So I say, how quickly can I get the other test results back? And the girl says, uh, three to five days. And I said, well, the <laughs> airlines wouldn't accept it before three days. I understand how that works. And right. she goes, well, it, do it doesn't. That was her answer. She said, it doesn't work. And she said, that's why when you made the appointment, we told you, uh, we told you that so you could go somewhere else. And I go, wait a minute. So there are places that can get the three to five day results faster? She said, yeah. I go, well, no yeah. one told me that. No one told me that. So I'll tell you what I did, because I'm okay. flying tomorrow. So I, I bought a home pregnancy test, and I'm going to use mm -hmm. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's completely reasonable. But, you know, yeah, you know Paula, I, it's understandable why there's all these difficulties, because you're obviously the first person who's had to fly um, since the pandemic hit. So these procedures aren't very clear yet. Well, you know what? When I looked at the site again, I yeah. think it's actually if you were coming in from out of the country, I have to confess <laughs> that I, I think that I don't think it did. I think I got confused about that part. But I'll tell you something. I thought I liked this urgent care. But then I thought about it. I thought, well, this is the place where the doctor told me that time that my x-ray showed that I didn't have a broken rib. Yes, I and, remember this. And I remember she, I remember she said to me, I said what I said to the doctor at the time was, I think I broke a rib from coughing. And she goes, "Oh, you couldn't break a rib from coughing." Then they do a x-ray and she comes back, she goes, "Nope, you're fine." And then she calls me the next day to say that I did have a broken rib and that it was loose and she goes, "The good news is it's not headed towards your lungs." Do you remember that? Uh, and oh, I remember this also, whole incident. Yeah, this was around the time that we were starting up uh, this mighty podcast of ours. Yeah, it was, a, it was just before my lung was punctured. Um, it's also the place <laughs> with the doctor who said I didn't have a bladder infection. And then, and, then before, and then she came in and talked to me about what else it might be. And then just before I left, she goes, you know what? It is a bladder infection. A and then they gave me some pills. And, and the next day they called and said they gave me the wrong pills. So... <laughs> What I like about this urgent care is that it's near my house. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Yeah. The idea that I would have to travel a long ways to get this kind of medical assistance would be so frustrating. Yeah. So it really, it really works out you could good go somewhere me. else and get better medical assist assistance, though, right? Oh. And have no little stories? What are you, crazy? Um, All yeah. right. Well, so you know, that, that was, was my... Uh, that was absolutely worth it, Paula. And I, I wish you well on yeah. your journey. I'm sorry you're you're heading to Massachusetts by plane and not cruise ship, because as Tony Anita Hulk, Hulk can tell you, that's really the only way to travel. Yeah, 
And on the cruise ships, you don't need any, any kind of testing at all. The, for the cruise ships right now, all they do is a psychological test. Right. And, uh, and and it's a pretty easy test because if you would like to go on a cruise right now, you definitely are in no condition to go mentally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How about, how, how about do you want this? And the, and the yeah. people go, oh, right now, right now. So, All right. Well, you, you know what? That. Speaking of cruises, we have to move on to our uh, our own seagoing, seafaring uh, uh, adventure, which is uh, our Moby Dick book club. Oh yes. Um, we, well, and I, Paula, we have a very full agenda tonight. President Ken Lezebnik is in Brooklyn, and he has. I'm I'm very proud to announce this. He has designated me President Pro Tempore. Pro Tempora. <laughs> Tempore, like President Pro Tem. You're you're he, you're, pre, you're President Jitem. Um, you're president pro tempora. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's president pro tem, but um, he has. Uh, I'll accept your answer too. He has uh, sent me this gavel. He's uh, the the book club's gavel. So I'm calling the meeting to order. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Order, um, order. The uh, the first item on our agenda is our book club theme song. Okay. Uh, even though Bonnie put forward a song, we now have another contender. Nobody, Tim Crump, one of our house bands, sent in a theme song for us to consider. Um, Land Romo, will you roll the tape for us? 2020 was awful. It made Tony blue. So let's start an adventure to make this year new. Because Captain Crinkle keeps looking at all of the butts. We must do something so Adam won't go nuts. Paula, what should we do? Let's start a book club. What should we do? We'll start a book club. For me and you, we'll start a book club. What book should it be? With so many choices, there's a gallop off free. We'll start a book club. What should we do? We'll start a book club. For me and you, we'll start a book club. What book will it be? With so many choices, there's a gallop off free. Wow. <laughs> Wow! Thank, Thank you, you Tim. Damn. You that really captured, Tim. yeah, really captured the the personality. I think of the book club. Um, Thank you. In a way that Bonnie's song "Lose a Leg, Lose a Leg," I'm not sure, <laughs> yeah. really did. Yeah, as we pointed out last week, Bonnie's song was more of a mo- reading Moby Dick at the theme club uh, theme song at the, the book club theme yeah. song, whereas Tim specifically. Gave us a theme song so that when we're done with Moby Dick sometime in the year 2025 and we pick another book, Tim's Tim's theme song will still, still be relevant. Yeah. Bonnie didn't seem to have any idea that you read more than one book in a book club. Un- unless, yeah. of course, y- you crack over the first book and have to quit. Um, uh, yeah. Is it? All right. Well, is um, t- order, Paula. Order. Sorry. Order, order. We have uh, several more <laughs> items to get to get through here. Uh, second on our agenda, a report from our treasurer, Paula Poundstone, on her efforts to get Pod Save America's John Favreau to join our club. Well, uh, uh, no, that's our membership outreach, uh, 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 Mr. President. <laughs> Mr. President, uh, right now I'm just giving my treasury report. Um, I will oh, okay. follow with, uh, and also, you know, I'd like to put it in the record. Um this week, we lost money on our bake sale, and we had a lot of leg-shaped cookies left over. Um, honestly, no one even stopped by the table that was at the entrance to the 405 freeway uh, from Wilshire 
during my shift, and Tony didn't show up for her shift. She said she was reading. So I just packed up and left. Uh, and while I was packing up the wax paper bags that I put the cookies into uh, blew onto Wilshire Boulevard, one or two blocked the guy's windshield and caused a wreck, and I'm waiting for those figures. Okay. <laughs> well, um, all right. Well, um, uh, thank you, uh, Treasurer Paula Ponson. Order, order. Now, Paula, did uh, it sounds like our fundraising efforts each week cost us a little more money to run this book club? Yeah, we really are. Uh, yeah, we we so far we are in the red. I'm just I I have to get the I I have to get the rest of the figures from the police to know how far in the red we are right now. Um, but fortunately, uh, on the upside, um, I am continuing our membership outreach. Okay. Are, are you ready for that report? Yes. Uh, oh, yes. I'm sorry. Order. The the uh, chair is ready to hear your report, Paula. <laughs> um, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, on, on membership outreach, I've tweeted multiple times to John Favreau from Pod Save America, who specifically said on their New Year's episode that he wanted to read more. And I have not yet heard back. Um, that could be my fault. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that he had the morning shift at the bake sale table. That 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 could have been not, you know, maybe not the right <laughs> yeah. approach. Um, Assi but assigning still waiting him, uh, to hear. Okay. Yeah. So assigning if we him have a job before he is, he is uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, he does have a job, but you know, we all have jobs, Adam. The the book club is something that we just do for pleasure. Yes, but once again, if if I was being asked to join a club and one of the first things I was asked is, will I help run a bake sale on the exit ramp of a freeway, I probably wouldn't join that club. Yeah, well, you're a lot like John Favreau. <laughs> yes, um, I guess I am. All right, order, Paula. Order. Order. Uh, I, I want to reach out now to our um, publicity. Uh, what, what is her title? Bonnie Burns' uh, title, our well, PR I, manager. I had, I, no, I I'm put, the... Uh, what am I? Well, isn't that a good question? Wow, put, we gave we uh, gave you a title. Bonnie. You were the tra oh no, I was the no. fundraising. You gave me fundraising. Yes. Yeah, yes, right. that's right. I believe what's called the Adam capital campaign. Close. Yeah, yeah, right. Adam You're running the close. capital campaign. So, uh, order for God's sakes, everyone. Order. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> let, let, uh, let's reach out to Bonnie Burns and uh, Bonnie. Yeah. Uh, how are our uh, fundraising ideas coming along? Oh, okay. Well, I said in our last meeting, our last show, that I would have an idea for the fundraiser. And uh, order, point of order. Uh, we have to establish that. Will our secretary, Tony Anita Hull, read back the minutes to see if Bonnie did indeed say that? <laughs> she might have been too it. busy Googling. She did say it. Okay, confirmed. Order. Confirmed. Damn it. I can I order. can tell she had an idea because the lights in my house dimmed a little bit a couple days ago. <laughs> All right, Bonnie, what's, uh, what's your idea? Okay, so these were my ideas, but I'm, you know, throwing it out to the floor uh, for discussion. The one thing, I'll just do a little Captain Crinkle thing here, um, which is, it dovetails into this. You know, I was uh, reading something about how to make your book club more fun. And okay. one of the suggestions, by the way, was to keep the book under 300 pages. So we kind of <laughs> lost a little there. Well, I... <laughs> There's no way in this world that Tony's going to read more than 300 pages, so I think we're good there. Okay. 
Another one was to come up with a book club name. So just put oh, a pin okay. in that for a second while I tell yeah. you the idea I had. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about T-shirts. I thought nobody's might like, you know, to buy a T-shirt, get a T-shirt, and we could put it on the paulapoundstone.com website. But I don't really know. I thought we could brainstorm, like, what should be the T-shirt, what should be on the T-shirt. So oh, one but- idea... <laughs> This wasn't a T-shirt idea, but I was going through Facebook and somebody, actually, it might have been Tim Crump, who put an idea out that we should make a T-shirt that had uh, on the front, Adam's on every show with a headset on, and on the back, God damn it, Bonnie. I'm not saying that should be the T-shirt that we do for the book club, (laughs) but I'm just putting that out there. Um. Mr. President, if I could have some of Bonnie's minutes. Um, uh, so noted, th- yes. That, that T-shirt is on a whole other topic, and that's not the yes. topic we're discussing at this time. That would, be a, a, that would be a podcast T-shirt. We are talking about the book club within the podcast T-shirt, which so, is so, going to so be in a whole different... It, absolutely. Order, order. So what you're saying is Bonnie has introduced an idea and then gone off topic while introducing it. It would appear that way. I... I hate to say it. Uh, I, I, I hate to say it too, but uh, Secretary Tony Anita Hull, can you uh, strike the last few sentences of Bonnie's uh, uh, <laughs> from the record? Didn't yeah. we? <laughs> didn't we yeah. have? T- we had T-shirts for the podcast, didn't we? No, yes. we did. But this are we is, still selling okay. those or not? <laughs> and how much did we right make now, on those, Bonnie? It Captain doesn't Krinkle, matter how- because now we're in a position with our new podcasts that we could come up with our own T-shirts and sell our own T-shirts. You're off topic. Mr. <laughs> Pro Tem, whatever you're called, she's off topic. Okay, I had I have some ideas, um, uh, uh, Pro Tempore. I have some ideas for... You can just call um, me president. Uh, yeah, Mr. President, president. I, have some, I have some ideas for uh, what we could put on the book club T-shirts. Um, all, all right. Okay. Here's, here's one line of text. If you don't want to see John Favreau, this is the club for you. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I, I have one. Uh, you don't know Dick until you've heard Paula's Dick. Yeah. Ooh. Again. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> it's very, it's very Moby Dick specific. <laughs> We're uh, going to be on Moby Dick forever. <laughs> no, we're almost finished with Moby Dick. We're Are we? we're easily we're easily one uh, thirtieth through. Um, yeah. Here's one. Um, uh, here's one. Uh, the book club where you don't have to lie about what you read. That's good. Oh, that's good. Because that's very good. Because Tony like just comes out. Tony not only says she didn't read, she bloody dares us to make her read. Uh-huh. She says stuff like, "I'm not doing this." Uh, uh, <laughs> That's absolutely true. Here's another one. Uh, join the book club, no cover. Uh, oh, here's a good one. <laughs> nice. Um, that nobody listens to Paula Poundstone uh, um, book club. What's stuck in your ear? Oh, that's nice. That's, that's a, good. It's a nice, clever reference to Bonnie Burns getting a, a silicone uh, ear pod uh, tip in, stuck in her ear, right? Yeah, yeah, just, you know, yeah. for people that... Uh, here's another one. Um, be the high school student you always meant to be. That's a good one. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and an- and another one is uh, slow readers welcome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> These are all great. Uh, how about how about I the got. first rule of book club is nobody talks about book club. Um. No. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's um. Uh, well, how that, do we okay, decide? Well, how well, do wait, we decide? Tony, wait, 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 Tony, Anita Hall. What? What's your suggestion? Um, mine was gonna be "fuck you, John Favreau." Parentheses, Pod Save America, John Favreau, not Marvel's John Favreau. Just wow. to be clear. It's very rare to find a t-shirt with footnotes, but Tony Anita Hall, by golly, you created one. Yeah, that's more of a hostile. Uh, that's why That's why uh, Tony is not on the membership outreach team. Yeah. She's, a, she's got a lot of rage, an underrated yeah, um, amount yeah. of rage. I'm not uh, sure with, that's with, the right way to get him to join us. I would say it's probably um, counterproductive. Um uh, oh, we have a suggestion from uh, erstwhile President Ken Lezebnik. He proposes a T-shirt design which features his image and the message "President for Life." Oh, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good one. Uh, by yeah. the way, Ken is is Ken right now. Um, he keeps saying he's in Brooklyn. He's not in Brooklyn. I uh, he's been spotted at Mar-a-Lago. Oh wow. Yeah, the, uh, the, our our former president's home is being visited by our book club president right now. That's interesting. Hey, yeah, uh, that, here's may, a that may be where he came up with that idea of president. Here's a for suggestion, life. Uh, if yeah. uh, if I may, why don't we have um, why don't we have a uh, our our listeners, uh, you know, suggest book club T-shirt ideas? Sure, uh, you know we're I open like- to what. No. Well, Go I ahead. really liked your first one that you said. I think it was the very first one. I thought it was funny, and I would like to get the T-shirts up and going because we okay. need money to fund the book club. This is <laughs> well, that is was, true. Uh, what was your first suggestion driving, again, Paul? Uh, I think the it first, was the first one, one. The first one was if you don't want to see John Favreau, this is the club oh. for you. No, that wasn't it. Okay. Oh, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. <laughs> Um, what, was, what was the next one? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the next one was the club where you don't have to lie about what you read. No, wasn't that, that either? Wasn't one. Okay, that, no, was, that wasn't so good. <laughs> oh my god, she doesn't okay. listen. Um, I do. Uh, no, you don't. That's <laughs> yes, that's I where do. we're gonna go with. We're gonna go with what's stuck in your ear. Join okay. the club, no cover. No. Okay, let's do this. Uh, okay, then it couldn't have been the first one. Well, I guess I was wrong about it being the That's first the one. That's the first four. It was All the right. one I laughed really hard at. Why don't we decide order. over this order. week? And we'll Bonnie, announce Bonnie, it on next week's Bonnie, show. order. <laughs> order. We're going to decide uh, at another date and uh, announce it on next week's show if we have an answer. But for now, I'm going to close the business of discussing the T-shirt. Um, uh, let's open for our last item of business. Um, Moby Dick, chapters 23 to 28. Um, it is the sense of the chair, of of President Pro Tem, that we are do not have the time to... Uh, <laughs> let me say that again without Bonnie interrupting. It is the sense of the chair that we do not have the time to discuss those chapters this week in book club. So oh, chapters darn. 23 through 28 will be um, will be uh, discussed next week. Best day of book club ever. 
Is this when we break? Is this when we break for the snacks? That are yes. don't they always have that on book club? And we rotate who provides them. Uh, who well, brought the snacks I, this week? I have some day old leg shaped cookies. <laughs> All right. I hereby call this meeting of uh, book club to a to a close. Thank you, everybody, for attending, and uh, uh, hopefully, we'll get to Moby Dick next week. Okay, Paula, um, Thanks, let's move on President to vocabulary Kim words. Cora. Thank you. It's not tempura. It's pro tem or tempura. It's not tempura. Tempura is Japanese fried food. I know what it is. It's um, uh, Adam is president. Jatem. Oh, thank you, Paula. That's very sweet. Jatem. Um, Paula, do you have a uh, word this week? I do, Adam. It's uh, lubber. Lubber. It's a noun that means heavy, clumsy, stupid person. Here, I'll use it in this sentence. Hagrid's half-brother Grop was a heroic lubber. You know, Adam, I thought Ms. Nancy did such a good job with the vocabulary song last week that I've asked her back uh, to do it again. Um, do, do uh, Do we have Ms. Nancy on the line? Hello, Ms. Nancy, are you on the line? Hi, hi, Paula and Adam Felba. It's me, <laughs> Fairbanks Elementary School second grade teacher, Miss Nancy, and I am ready to perform this week's vocabulary song. Well, Miss Nancy, it's really great to have you back. Um, how's the distance learning teaching going? Oh my God, Adam, it's so hard. It's not Is healthy it? for kids to sit in front of a computer for so many hours. Right. They they even have their PE on Zoom. Coach Stitches has the kids doing yoga. I tell her, I say they need to be up and running around yoga. Yoga's not good for kids. Russell got his knee stuck over his head. Now his mother and father are suing the district, but only after they got a shitload of viewers on TikTok. That sounds awful. (laughs) It's terrible. I can't even eat a pretzel without thinking about that kid. Miss Nancy, do you want me to sing the vocabulary song? Oh, I almost forgot. No, Paula, I'm here for you. Here we go. (laughs) This week's word is lubber. It's a noun that means a heavy, clumsy, stupid person. Once you've called a friend that, your relationship may worsen. Last week's word was ubiquitous. It's an adjective that means present, appearing, or found everywhere. So many men are growing facial hair. The week before that, the word was obstreperous. It's an adjective that means noisy and difficult to control. Mo won't stop barking at people when they stroll. Going back before that, the word was evanescent. It's an adjective that means, um, I had it a minute ago. I can almost see it. Smells like Evan. No, that's not it. Oh, quickly fading from sight, memory, or existence, like Ted Cruz reflecting on the time they tried to kill Pence. And not long ago, we had rictus. It's a noun that means a fixed grimace or grin. I'm happy for the best actress, even though I didn't win. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which Paula pronounced wrong until nobody, James Haida, corrected her. It's a noun that means confused jumble or medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. 
Adam doesn't think Paula's song is replicable. <laughs> replicable. Replicable. Shake it, Miss Nancy. But I do. I do. I do. I do. Wow. That was really wow. special, Miss Nancy. Uh, thank you for that. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, it's so good to just come on here with you guys and just cut loose. You know, you you can't really do that when you're teaching online. You can't really cut loose, you know? No, you really you really can't. It's frowned upon. But um I do yeah. thank you for uh for stopping by and uh, uh definitely call again sometime. I love hearing you sing the vocabulary song. Oh, thank thank you so much, Adam Felba. That's so nice <laughs> of you. And I love being spared the glockenspiel. Now that all right, that cuts deeply to Paula. You know she works at that Glockenspiel. I I, I know I, I do know that, but I, I, I'm not going to tell say her gotta, that you said that. Oh no, no, please don't. I I value my relationship with Paula. Coming up, polar explorer Roald Amundsen said, "Adventure is just bad planning." We'll find out if Paula's up for an Arctic adventure. That's next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think 
Bonnie got the midnight lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it. Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so co- it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? 
They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, J. Edgar Hoover said, I'm watching you. Hey, Paula Poundstone. You know what I've heard? I've heard that performance venues are closed nowadays. <laughs> yeah, just this just in. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's yeah, just yeah, striking uh, me that that might make things difficult for uh, a comedian such as yourself. Well, I've tightened my belt. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. No, I, 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 I got to find something else, Adam. Like what? What could you possibly find, Paula? I had this great idea. What's that? On a bright, shiny day in Santa Monica, while I was walking my dog, I thought maybe I could be a polar explorer. Well, I can see how Santa Monica might inspire that in you. Unfortunately, we have a legendary polar explorer with us on the phone who can help see if you're up for that kind of job. Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer this week. Let's explore a career mushing dog sleds to the North Pole. Here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of polar exploration is Anne Bancroft. She dog-sled 1,000 miles and 56 days as part of a team of eight in the first confirmed dog-sled journey to the North Pole without resupply. She led a 67-day, 660-mile expedition to the South Pole on skis, earning the distinction of being the first woman in history to cross both polar ice caps to reach the North Pole and South Pole. Please Welcome, Anne Bancroft. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Anne. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks so, thanks so much for being with us and and for sticking through technical problems to do it. Well, I'm uh, used to technical problems. Yeah, you must just <laughs> you must just brush them out of the way like so many cookie crumbs. Uh, a person who's who's done all the things that you've done. And I'd like to put together a dog sled expedition to the North Pole. I want to become a North Pole influencer if I could. <laughs> and I'd like to bring my dog, Mo. So where do I start? What are the steps? Well, I think the first step is to figure out what kind of dog is Mo. She is uh, part Newfoundland and part Golden Retriever. <laughs> oh, well, not, not, not bad for, for Polar. A little furry. <laughs> she she has uh, she has uh, six toes. Does oh. that help? Yeah, because you know if you lose one, you got more. Yeah. <laughs> How likely yeah. is she to well, lose a toe out there? Oh, very. Oh wow! Really, dogs lose toes all the time. Well, not so much the dogs; it's the it's the two leggeds that 
have the problem. So what, speaking of the two legged, <laughs> what are the qualities and qualifications you look for when putting together a team for an expedition? I mean, and how, and also how do you decide how many people you need? Well, um, looking for what, the the qualities that you really want is somebody that um, can be by themselves a, lo- a long time. Because <laughs> oh. if, if you can just imagine you you have a face mask on, it's seventy below zero. Um, you're in single file, and you're doing the hardest work of your life. So there's no talking. It's too cold. It's it's just hard to get heard. Um, so you gotta like, you gotta, you know, that solitude thing. I'm not sure yeah. that's your, your bag. Well, to be honest with you, uh, the, the fact is when I was on the road, um, uh, the majority of my life was alone because yes. alone in a, in a hotel room. I mean, it's okay. Sitting on an airplane, but I didn't generally talk to the people on the airplane every now and then I would engage in a conversation, but mostly in fact, I was alone. Well, there you go. You surprised me. So that's why we do interviews. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what, what else does she right. need besides being able to be alone? And by the way, I would um, assume that Paula talks only a little bit less when she's alone. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I talk to myself too. So it's, you've got to do, you've got to self entertain. Um, you have to be able to have that personality that puts one foot in front of the other for a long time and not see a lot of changes. All right. So where do I start even in the organizing of the expedition? Well, once you get your team, uh, the, it, it starts to get easier from there. Um, you, you, you know that you're going to need 7,000 calories a day. And you know a lot of it has to be fat. So you plan your diet. It has to be simple and high calorie, high fat. Did you say so, seven thousand calories a day? Isn't that repulsive? It's amazing. <laughs> like, isn't a normal adult <laughs> supposed to take in something like twenty one hundred calories a day? Yeah, I'm still. I'm on a polar diet all the time, unfortunately. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like I have been most of my life as well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the COVID thing. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing that I learned after doing a lot of cold weather expeditions is that that first week you come up, you're sort of fat and sassy, but your diet is still 7,000 every day or 6,000, whatever you decide. And you eat at night really fast. And then usually you get into your sleeping bag and lie down and and if you don't need all those calories, it starts to creep up uh, and uh, you find yourself in a hot sweat sitting up in your sleeping bag really quick to bring it back down. Oh, like you're going to throw up, you mean? That's right. Oh, my gosh. This is just um, little this tricks. Is, this is the life for me. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so <laughs> I you don't know plan, why I brought that up. You plan, well, uh, brought that up brought that up so all right so you get your food you know our engineer land mentioned earlier that mariah carey has these really good cookies uh-huh. uh, uh what are the best kinds of foods to to bring to get this seven thousand calories well on the north pole trip we decided to go really simple and we 
had a fairly disgusting diet. It worked, but it um, was something I never wanted to repeat on any other expedition. So it was, uh, we would have a pot of noodles at night with a lot of butter. I love that. Cheese. that. That part was really good. And then they dumped in a meat called pemmican. And it's about 70% animal fat or lard, a little bit of meat and some berries. <laughs> oh. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. Is that why you eat fast? Because it's just not the stuff you want to really tarry over? Well, you just you don't want to procrastinate because it freezes up in your bowl. Oh, oh wow. Now, is, is it because Everything it's freezes. cold that you're burning that many calories, or is it because of the extreme amount of exercise required uh, to, to trudge through that stuff? That's a great question. It's both. It's um, the, the hard work during the day. It's 8 to 14 hours on our feet pushing sleds, and then um, you're just shivering all the time. <laughs> oh, so the shivering is burning calories. That's, that's interesting. Oh, it's um, just, So it's, how about, I'm, I'm sorry, how about Butterfingers and Doritos? How's that as a polar diet? Well, not very nutritious. So it, oh. so it would taste I, really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Butterfingers used to taste good. So I'm assuming then that you're trying to get um, calories, but also helpful helpful foods. Yeah, uh, we're not so going to We're not going to get scurvy, but we we've got to get the right kind of calories in. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's disappointing, but okay. Um, and so, and what else do you have to plan? We have to plan precisely how how much food we can't take too too much because we've got to carry it. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have to plan how much fuel is needed to cook that food or melt ice for our water. That's probably mm -hmm. the most critical thing that we bring. There's no firewood, so you've got to calculate. Wow. All right. So you were a part of a team of eight that dog sled 1,000 miles in the first confirmed dog sled journey. That's confirmed, dog sledger. There might have been some that nobody knew about to the North Pole without resupply. Are you carrying backpacks or is all the equipment on a sled? The, uh, all the equipment is on the sled. The only thing, Paula, that you need to know that might dampen your spirit a little is we don't ride the sleds. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. We I, have I, I to think... help push as well. Uh-huh. And how many dogs is it? Ten dogs per sled. And how many sleds? We had five to start with, uh, ended with two. Oh. Oh, be because you ate the food? Yep. What'd you do with the sleds? We chopped them up and burned them. What'd you do with the dogs? Heat. <laughs> the, do <laughs> the dogs... We're just happy to have less weight to pull. Oh, oh there you go. Okay. Um, we don't you know, eat the dog. Good to no. know. Good oh, to know. no. Thank you. I, I didn't think that for a second. I did. All right. Well, in the old so, days, they used to. Oh, did they? Oh, boy. That's, boy, that'll ruin a Disney movie. That will. Um, <laughs> Uncool I, running. I just, 
I just said to my dog, Sirius, tonight, I was stepping out of my bedroom and he insisted on coming in the kitchen with me. And I said, you know, it's so lovely to have a companion. <laughs> you know, it's so it's so Disney of you. Yeah. Like it wasn't like I was doing anything in the kitchen that he wanted to be a part of. He just thought it was important to stand beside me while I did whatever it was. Yeah, they're um, awesome. All right. They, they are. I, uh, I agree. So is there, um, do your dogs wear booties and stuff? What do you do? So, oh, wait, let me back up a little bit. Where do you sleep? <laughs> we sleep uh, four people per tent. And How many dogs per tent? Uh, uh, the dogs sleep outside. Do they? They're very amazing. They curl up into a little ball. And even in a storm... The older dogs will just stay put for three days, not get up or pee or eat or anything. And it's the, the snow that lands on them is like a little igloo. Uh-huh. Wow. And they put their tail over their nose and they lift, they, they sort of turn their paws upwards. So they're very smart about the cold. Uh-huh. And all, nothing that, uh, well, how much training goes into that? Did you... Were the dogs already trained and then you joined in, or were you part of the training of the dogs that went on your expeditions? We, we all trained together. They're just like us. Uh, they have to want to go. They have to kind of make the team. So we had a, probably about a little over 100 dogs in, in our training camp, and then we whittled down to 50. Well, 49, one jumped ship wow okay so um so what about you guys what training do you do for the trip the the two-legged travelers well we skied and ran and worked dogs and we lived in a northern minnesota just outside of a town uh it was 40 below on average and we lived in tents and Oh. <laughs> it was kind wow. of, wow. It was, I don't know if it was the greatest way to train, but we were it made for a long year. Yeah, sure. How long did the training process go on? Well, it went on for a couple of years, but the really intense no. part was 10, 10 months. A couple of years. And how do you know you're ready? Just because somebody in the group, like Tony with our book club, goes, fuck it, I'm not going to do this anymore unless we just go now? <laughs> no, the leaders just say this is when we're going. <laughs> oh, okay. So there's no like benchmark that people have to have achieved uh, in order to be ready? No. I, the, I was just really lucky because, you know, it was originally an all-men's trip. And then they decided they were going to add two more people and make it eight. And one of the leaders said, you know, it's the 80s. Why don't we add a woman? It might help for um, <laughs> fundraising. <laughs> oh, for fundraising. You know, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's not the window that you, it's not the way you like the window open, but you just take it. Uh-huh. Sure. Was it Mondale? Was it Mondale? Is that who the... Is that who yeah. the leader was? Well, I wish Mondale was the leader. He would have. <laughs> oh yeah, he he's from your home state, right? Equitable. <laughs> yeah. W wasn't wasn't it Ferrar Mondale Ferraro? Am I right? Was that the? That's right. You're. Yeah. On. So he he was the one that decided. Hey, 
<laughs> a woman might be a fun idea. Um, also a Minnesotan, I think. That's yeah, right. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, uh, Adam? Yes. What did, uh, abs- what did a- absolutely Cherry Garage say? <laughs> I was just getting to that. Polar Explorer, absolutely, Cherry Garad said, Polar exploration is at once the cleanest and most isolated way of having a bad time which has ever been devised. We'll discover more (laughs) qualities of polar exploration when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Charlie Stickers from Fort Worth, Texas. And we're back with Polar Explorer and Bancroft. Paula, you had a question. I did. You know, uh, when Mondale came to you and said, we want to bring a woman along, <laughs> and uh, why you? Why not Ferraro? Well, um, I think he did a little background check on me and um, turned out he knew my climbing partner on Denali in Alaska. And he asked him, What's she like when the chips are down? And he said, you know, she keeps her sense of humor. And I think that was my way in. Oh. Fantastic. So that, I, I don't know if I would keep my sense of humor when the chips are down, but uh, I, I feel that my, my record in the area of sense of humor is strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that I got that going for me. Now, uh, uh, the, the other thing is in what did you say it was se- how how cold was it again? Well, when we started off, it's early March and the sun is just not up at the part of that curve of the earth. So um, it's about 70, 75 below. Well, that's wow. as far as the numbers went on the thermometer. Uh-huh. Oh. So would you bring a, a sweater? <laughs> or a sweater vest or a sweater vest is okay what 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 do you what do you wear to protect yourself against 70 below uh temperatures a lot of layers um we had a combination of you know things like gore-tex and fleece and down with um seal and caribou Oh um, outfits. I have I have these great uh, seal skin pants that I think would be really great in a bar. Though that's a lot of layers. <laughs> I I picture you like the like the kid in a Christmas story falling over backwards <laughs> and just being stuck. Um, yeah. Is it? Are they very thick layers? Um, you don't always wear them all 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 the time. I guess. <laughs> you were working really hard, so you don't want to sweat, and that's the that's the the idea behind the the layers. Yeah, okay. You don't want to sweat because it'll freeze. It, it instantly, as soon as you stop, you're just a bag of oh, ice. Wow. Oh, well, you that's know, terrible. A, a few times, and I, I've done like I happen to have been the first woman to perform at the <laughs> um, White House Correspondents' Dinner many many years ago. It was, and. I I anxiously looked through the Washington Post the following day to see what they said about it. And um, I was not happy to see that they wasted, <laughs> they wasted ink saying what I was wearing. 
Uh-huh. They don't they don't do that for guys. It was, you know, no. just, and, and by the way, I was wearing a lovely outfit, but they just don't do that for guys. So when you when they wrote about you being the only woman on this expedition, did they say, you know, a, you know, a shapely Gore-Tex uh, uh, <laughs> ensemble? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never, I never got quite that um, review. But I will tell you that they came in at one point to get the dogs out. It was a routine halfway through the trip, and one of the guys was injured, but they didn't know who because it was very hard for us to communicate in those days. It was thirty-five years ago, and the correspondents that were on the plane when they landed came roaring over to me convinced it was me that was coming out because I was physically the smallest and and the woman and uh, they came up to me and I've got a smile from ear to ear I'm having the time of my life I mean it wasn't that it wasn't hard but I'm having a blast and that sort of started to change the spin of what was printed but there was a lot of hype around whether or not I'd make it. Well, I think probably one of the reasons they came to you right away was that from a distance they could see the high heels. And I don't <laughs> think... <laughs> yeah, you had to walk backwards in heels all the way to the North Pole, right? All the yeah, way. <laughs> I, I don't think that was your best choice. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so people are... There's an odd <laughs> isolation. You're walking in a single file... It's you got you got masks on. It's it's too cold to stop and chit chat. So it's a very isolated. Are there people um, on any expedition you've been on or that you've heard about where they kind of crack from that? Yeah. Um, on a couple of my other expeditions, I had um, <laughs> a couple of women that just it just wasn't their thing, and they sort of had a mental breakdown. Oh my gosh! And what do you do about that? You eat them. <laughs> Obviously, right? Obviously. Back me up, Anne. Oh yeah, nummy. <laughs> you you just sort of slap them up the face. Really? <laughs> yeah. Snap out of it. There's there's no other option, is there? Because they can't they can't go you know talk to a counselor. No, it's really hard. It's 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 almost worse than a physical injury. Wow. It's hard wow. on them, too, because there's so much shame involved of, you know, it's, it's easier if you break your leg or freeze your feet or something. Yeah. Right. It's hard for yeah. a man to admit that he's mentally cracking. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. or anybody, I imagine, in that setting. Because the other thing is, if they went on these trips, it wasn't their first time, was it? Well, I think that's the thing that we really try and do is do enough training trips, long ones. Um, that we ferret out those folks that just, it's just not their thing and they think it is. Yeah. Why is it your thing? Uh, what's fun, <laughs> well, what's fun about 70 below and 7,000 calories made from elk and all that stuff? <laughs> I'm a weird person. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I started doing this. My first expedition was out in the backyard in a Minnesota winter when I was 10. And I, I can't say that I remember it being that fun, but <laughs> I stuck well, with it. What was it then? What did you do? You know, I just love the solitude and um, 
I hate being cold, but I, I love being out in that cold. If you do it right, it's just an extraordinary privilege. And if you do you it know. right, your phlegm freezes. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> have you ever? Have you, Anne, ever felt like giving up, or or, or had uh, words of advice to give to someone during the trip who did feel like giving up? Um, both. I I always feel like giving up at some point on the trip, and but usually a good night's sleep or, um, you know, your team member says something to you and cheers you up, or you open your journal and there's a picture of home in in summertime or something like that. You recalibrate. Uh-huh. Um, cheering up another team member is a little harder, you know. Sometimes, what how to hit that right note to. You know, my jokes aren't very good, and my singing's terrible, so it's hard to bring them around sometimes. And I am yeah. really feeling my opportunity rising here. Um, I know. You're totally qualified. I, I, I mean, do I'm you pre- want a comedian on your team? These things. Yeah, I, I was going to say, wouldn't you want somebody like Paula there? Because she could keep everybody so. sane, even if she loses her mind. Yeah, well, you, it's a fine line, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Losing Definitely. your mind and being funny. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to be to have you got to laugh, you got to enjoy what you're doing and you can't take yourself too seriously. It's serious stuff, but you you got to just kind of go along. We laugh a lot actually. Oh, I would think <laughs> I think I, so. I mean plus I, I would think it's a setting where there's not a tremendous amount of dignity. <laughs> yeah, when you're peeing in front of everybody else, it's, there's no yeah, dignity. Ex- exactly. When your pee is freezing within your urethra, uh, I would think that your guard has to be down a little bit. Now, I've done a little bit of backpacking, and I, I personally can spin out of control in the REI. Um, do you have a favorite tool or piece of clothing um, that you think is just brilliant, that, that is well worth the, the money that you pay for it? You know, we usually select our gear and it's a hodgepodge of this, that, and the other thing that sort of works. There's not any one sort of outfit that works for the polar regions. There's just so few people that go there. They don't really make that stuff. So we tend to adapt everything that we have, our face masks, our tents. Everything's got a little bit of our touch of design. I'm actually tearing up right now, Anne, because this gives me a chance to say something that the two and something years of doing this podcast, I've never been able to say. So you bring a gallimaufry of equipment and gear to your trip. Uh, it means hodgepodge, Anne. Um, yeah, hodgepodge. Because uh, uh, I, I think gators are so oh. great. You know, I grew up in Massachusetts, and, and there's something, you know, when the snow goes, you know, above your boot line, yeah. that, or it catches that little section of leg that sometimes sticks out, it's such an <laughs> awful feeling. And so the idea that you put this thing on the, that goes over the top of your boot and the bottom of your pants and just holds yep. it snug, come to think of it, I want to wear those every day, even in Santa Monica. Um, <laughs> well, I think, I think you're right. Gators are good. Yeah, they're fantastic. 
Uh, you know so what else been... is good now that you bring it up is uh, all of our snow pants are, we make them bibs because there's nothing worse than leaning over and untucking. Oh, <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, plumber's, plumber's as... crack in the Arctic is not good. <laughs> no, because it's likely to actually crack, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as an OCD sufferer, I got to tell you, untucking like makes my teeth jangle together just thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ooh, I, I, that, I, that's a really good advice. Um, bibbed overalls. Yeah. Um, so you've been to the North Pole, the South Pole, and the Ganges River. Uh, oh, yeah. Where, uh, well, let me just begin with this. Are there different skills required? What did you do differently on the North Pole than you did on the South Pole? Is it basically the same place? No, they're they're entirely different. The North Pole, the Arctic is is the Arctic Ocean, so that it's a surface that changes every minute. You can open up while you're sleeping or wow. walking or whatever. It's it's sort of it's an alive terrifying. surface. And then when on the South Pole at the Southern Hemisphere, um, you've got 24 hours of sunlight because you travel in summer. Uh, temperatures are a little better, and it's Two miles of ice caps, but there's terra firma underneath. Oh. oh. So the ground no isn't polar, literally no shifting bears. beneath your feet. Part, no shift, oh, no bears. It's a different kind of shifting. You've right. got crevasses because you're on a giant glacier. No, wait a uh, minute. Back up. You just so, said no so polar bears. I, I totally <laughs> forgot to ask you what sort of wildlife you might encounter. So you, So <laughs> polar bears could come around? On the in the Arctic. Wow! But did did you run into any polar bears during your uh, North North Pole exhibition ex, expedition? Ex- expedition. Um, it's hard to say. Not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There. There. We had uh, polar bears. We had wolf. White wolf. Um, there's Arctic fox, and there's seal. Uh huh. Well, I wouldn't want the seals to see the pants you were wearing. Um, (laughs) And the South Pole is mostly just penguins, though, right? Yeah, and, you know, we travel for most of the time in the interior, and all the life is on the borders, you know, on the coast. So we don't see the penguins until the very end. But then did you see penguins? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I love penguins. They're fabulous. Was Morgan Freeman up there? I didn't see Morgan. Because uh, he did the narration, you know, for the penguin I know, movie. I, I, he was in my head. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, that I, voice. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's a perfect voice for doing that. Um, so do you pack out your, do you pack everything out? Like yep. you don't leave stuff, right? It's not like Everest. No, we bring everything out. I love that. Um, <laughs> and and uh, let me just ask, uh, getting along with dogs is super important for these kind of expeditions, right? I mean, dogs are important to the expedition. You want to talk a little bit about that? It's critical. So I think that's a good, that's a check in Paula's column. Um, if you, you can like dogs, but if you don't relate to dogs, nothing's going to happen. You can't motivate a team of 10 dogs if they don't <laughs> You know, if they don't feel motivated by you, if you don't have a rapport. And I definitely, you know, I tried not to have a favorite, but I did. I had this 
outcast dog because I felt like an outcast sometimes. And uh, so he was my best bud. And when you're frustrated <laughs> and you want to have a little cry, you just bury your frostbitten cheeks in his fur. and He never tells your secrets. Oh, oh. that is nice. Yeah. Awesome. And by the and they probably don't make you throw tennis balls for them all the time, right? Never. Never. Ah, see, that's my dog. <laughs> that's my dog Moe's one of her uh not so great uh uh characteristics is that yeah, she a, is tennis ball obsessed. That's that uh, golden. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> it's obnoxious. Um, uh, just my whole, you know, picking up that ball in her mouth and staring at me all the time. No matter, it doesn't matter how many times you've thrown it already. Um, do you, uh, what about the dogs? What'd you feed the dogs? Well, we fed them mostly seal. (laughs) Oh, uh yeah. Again, awkward when you get seal visitors. Yeah. Well, they stay away. It's not good for polar bear though. It does kind of a track. So we, if you looked on our sled, you would see all these seals, complete seals, just stacked up frozen like firewood. Oh my god! And you gosh. pull one out and then you chop it up and toss <laughs> <laughs> it, it to the dog. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> and all right. I, I'm ready to go. So I can't thank you enough. Well, well here we I go, think Paula. you're totally fit for it. There you go. <laughs> Paula, uh, now that you've gotten all that information, what have you learned about being a polar explorer? And could you do that job? Okay, house band Ansel Norris. Uh, could I get a little background music? Uh, and I'll tell you what the pounce donator spit out. I could be an Arctic expedition team member. I think I'd bring a lot to it. Well... That was a yummy 3,000-calorie dinner. Anybody want seconds? I'll take some more. Hey, before you head to your tents and before your food comes back up, how about if you gather around and I'll tell you some of my little jokes? I I don't need an introduction. I'll just come out from behind the sled. Hello, North Pole! Thanks for coming. It's good to be here. I was pushing a sled earlier today, about 4,392 steps back. I think I got it up to .01 miles per hour. One of the dogs (laughs) felt so sorry for me, he regurgitated his frozen seal for me to eat, and it looked good. I I heard there were going to be sleds on this trip, and I thought, fantastic. I was thinking, you know, the Olympics, right? So... Here I am, pushing a fucking sled, thinking, where the hell are the Jamaicans? (laughs) It's a bobsled joke, sir. By the way, what do you do for a living? Oh, exhibitionist. (laughs) Thank you, no. I've seen Kelly and Conway dance. I don't need any more traumatic memories. Oh, expedition, my mistake. This isn't the only job I've ever had, you know. I used to work at the International House of Pancakes until Trump pulled us out of there. Do you ever wake up with your face frozen to your pillow? Boy, that sucks, right? I mean, do you come out of your tent with a whole fucking pillow stuck to your face, or do you pull it off and lose part of your cheek? That, that, that my pillow guy is a seditious bastard, huh? He's probably one of the few people on the earth that were better human beings when they were on crack. 
And those lame commercials? I developed the MyPillow for two years. Really? Two years? Were you working eight-hour days? It's foamy shit in a cloth bag. What did you try to put in the bag? Pine cones? Gerbils? Shredded constitution? Well, I guess my time is up. If you liked the show, I'm going to be about 9,052 steps away in that direction tomorrow night. Thanks for coming. Count your toes and try to keep them. Good night. Ah, shit. My berry's lard and unfamiliar meat is frozen. All right. Well, um, Paula, I'm not sure that's going to take you as far as the North Pole, so your job search may have to continue, but... Anne Bancroft is one of the world's preeminent polar explorers and an internationally recognized leader who is dedicated to inspiring women and girls around the world to unleash the power of their dreams. Thank you, Anne Bancroft, so much for coming on our show. Thank you so much Thanks, for having Anne, me. you were wonderful. It was an honor. Thank you very much. <laughs> coming up, the Department of Correction. We're only human, and our listeners have caught us in several factual errors. We'll get out the red pencils and make those corrections when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Fun fact, legally, the queen owns all the swans in England, but she hardly ever cleans up after them. And we're back, and Paula, it is that time. It is time for the Department of Corrections. I just have to, I just can't take it personally. That's the key. That's, and you know what? That's going to be the key for me, too. You and I both tend to get a little... Uh, we get our shirts up a little bit. I don't know why we do this segment because uh, we both tend to get kind of mad when people correct us. But yeah, I can you... sometimes. I do. I get my hackles up. Yeah, your hackles. I, I can see that. Oh, back when we recorded in person, I would see them standing on the back of your neck. Those hackles. Oh my gosh! There were times we had to take a break just so I could send the hackles out onto Miranda Street. <laughs> just to cool off a little bit. Get outside, hackles. Well, we always try to be absolutely accurate when we report facts on the show, but sometimes things slip through the cracks, and fortunately, because they're NPR listeners largely, nobody's from around the world are ready to correct us. Tony Anita Ho, can you tell us what the Department of Corrections has uncovered? I sure can, Adam Felber. So in episode number 135, we described white nose syndrome, an emergent disease of hibernating bats that has spread at an alarming rate in the U.S. and Canada as a virus. Now, Rebecca Shea, a Ph.D. student at Michigan State, wrote and said, not to be that person, but white nose syndrome is a fungus, not a virus. It made me just a little sad as a mycologist listening this morning. A mycologist? Oh. I uh, don't know what uh, that I, is. I, Tony? I, I'm guessing a mycologist studies fungus, because just from context, but I do not know that for a fact. That is correct. I, no, it is someone remember, who works with fungi. <laughs> I, remember this, this, I remember this whole incident at the time. Because I kept saying after we were stopped recording, I kept saying, you know, I'm pretty sure that white nose syndrome is a fungus. <laughs> and you guys just oh, wouldn't that's listen. Right. 
yeah, I was so sarcastic of... at you, Paula. I I have to own this one because I was really sarcastic. I was like, "Thank you, mycologist." Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what happened. Um, yes, I yeah, sure, you sure and... know a lot about funguses. Why don't you go back to mycology school? I remember saying that. Yeah, it was it was hurtful, and so I just gave it up. You know, I thought, what's more important here, our friendship, right, or me being right about white nose syndrome. Which, by the way, Adam, I think earlier you referred to as white noise syndrome, and that's no, going to come gonna back to bite us. No, we're going to re-record that. We're going to re-record that. Nobody will ever know that I, I said white noise syndrome. <laughs> no, you're just, you're just, you're just teeing us up for our next um, Department of Corrections episode. Um, well, I think you boy, just saved me a retake, Paula. So I've got that going for me. It's like quicksand. You, you know, the more you struggle, the worse it gets. Here we try to clear up. That, I know uh, the white nose syndrome is not a virus for heaven's sakes, and what sure. kind of boob would think it was, but a fungus, of course. And in the very clearing up of that mistake, uh-huh. we make another mistake. Oh my gosh! All right, well, Tony, thanks for that one, and of course, thank you to Rebecca Shea, and I hope you get that PhD. Uh, but yeah. Tony, let's, sorry let's get another one. Sorry about that mistake, Rebecca. We're very sorry. Sorry. Dr. Shea. Okay, so in episode 131, Bonnie noted She's that She's not a Yale doctor University- yet, Tony. We're gonna, I'm sorry I have to cut you off, but Rebecca's not a doctor yet, and you just called her doctor, and some doctor is going to write in and get on our ass for that. Oh, my God. It's going to oh, be quicksand shit. again. We're just going to keep going down the... <laughs> Going down the tube on this correcting. Okay. It's a disastrous segment. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tony. What else? In episode 131, Bonnie noted that Yale University's coat of arms featured an open book inscribed in Hebrew that roughly translate as light and truth, the school motto. She thought that was ironic because until the 1960s, there was an unwritten law among Ivy League schools that Jewish enrollment would be less than 10%. Now, our friend Brian McCafferty wrote us saying, Bonnie, Yale was a divinity school. (laughs) Gotta know Hebrew to read the book in the original language. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So, so the uh, so so this is gonna sound silly, but the Bible was originally in Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because what, they, what did because you they think were it was Jewish. in? Yeah, everybody because, was Jewish back then. Everybody, oh, you, everybody oh, you talked to back in the Holy Land was Jewish. No, it's not actually true at all. But um, you know what? It must have been so much more fun. What having all those Jews around? Yeah, when everybody was Jewish. Yeah, before <laughs> I there think were these. A lot. <laughs> the I, I could be screwing up history here, but before there were these you breakaway are. factions. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I would have right. followed Brian if I had my if I had my choice. I would have followed Brian. Oh, from Life of Brian or Brian McCafferty, yes. who wrote us in, who wrote in about no, this? No, Life of Life of Brian. Sorry, uh, Mr. McCafferty. Um, but here's my question, and I think this is a good question, or it might be a stupid question. But, Tony, um, what are we actually correcting here? Um, the I, I don't I, think I, Bonnie said anything wrong. She just said it was ironic that there would be Hebrew on a on on a te- on the coat of arms of a school that didn't allow that many Jews. No, I think it's I th- no, I think it's a correction because Bonnie was saying that it, the the Bible was written in the Jewish language and Brian is saying <laughs> that the Bible was written in the Jewish language. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I 
think so. You're saying that the Bible is, yeah, in the Jewish language, not the Jewy language. No, no, no. Jewish and Jewish. I I, I think that. (laughs) (laughs) What's the difference? I think that Bonnie, I think that Bonnie thought that although it may have been written in Hebrew in the beginning, she thought that it was translated into English and then put in Hebrew on the, on the, um, what do you call it? On the, uh. Coat of arms, right? Okay, that this is obviously going to spawn. This is obviously going to spawn so many more corrections from our listeners. This whole discussion. Oh my god! No, <laughs> I don't think so. I, because I can hear, I can hear the emails coming in about it right <laughs> They're now. Ding, ding. No, no, because when when a when a when a historian like myself speaks right. on something like this, it clears so much up. Yeah, um, I think I think your distinction between Jewish and Jewish. Is at, yeah. is going to hold a lot of water with our listeners? Yeah, I do. Well, I do. I I think that 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 he thought that Bonnie thought that it was translated to English, and then they took the English and they put it in Hebrew on the uh-huh. coat of arms. Sure. No. Right. Where? It, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a desperate need to move on from this one. God, uh, we're going to get you know so many letters. It's a subtle distinction. Um, <laughs> I love that you're siding with Brian McCafferty on this. All no, right, Tony, think, step no, on. A, I, yeah, I think you're okay. wrong about that. We're gonna get some letters and some letters. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Tony, please read us another one. Okay, here we go. This is from uh, Thomas Dean, who also had a note for Bonnie about the discussion of Moby Dick. Hey, Captain Crinkle, how could D.H. Lawrence and William Faulkner have influenced Herman Melville? Lawrence was six years old when Melville died in 1891, and Moby Dick was published in 1851, and Faulkner was born six years after Melville died. Maybe they were all caught in a black hole where time didn't exist? Oh, this is dripping in sarcasm. That turned snippy, yeah. Okay, in the part about D, uh, B, about D.H. Lawrence, uh, this is just proof that you can teach an old dog new tricks. So even though <laughs> D.H. Lawrence was only okay. six years old, yeah. Melville heard something he said, maybe when uh-huh. he was you know playing with a hoop and a stick outside of his house or something, and then Melville uh, used that in his own uh, prose. That's what I, I think. And I really applaud the guy for you know being a lifelong learner. Yeah, yeah. That kid with the hoop and the stick, he's got yeah. something. Hey, yeah, maybe exactly. I'll write a book about a whale. Yeah. And by the way, we're not talking about D.H. Lawrence. We're talking about D.H. Lawrence. That, another <laughs> important distinction. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, only because of COVID ha- have I not been able to get together with the Association of Historians recently. But I'll tell you, oh. uh, the, the last time we did... Um, me and Michael Beschloss got into like a knockdown dragout. About about that about distinctions like that. No, just about history, you know. Oh yeah, history in we general. Just, <laughs> yeah, we just had a, a disagreement about history, and yeah. uh, oh my gosh, that yeah. Oh, I, well, you once I, punched Walter Isaacson, right? You know what? He had it coming. That's my feeling about you know any. You know, he acts like he's such a man of letters. The guy's yeah. got a, yeah. 
Got a glass chin. Um, all right, so <laughs> all right, let's what move else it we on. got, Tony? Tony, what else you yeah. got? <laughs> um, so I posted on our Facebook page a yeah. note um, that actually is a picture that Paula sent me. Um, and it was this beautiful origami version of the two of you um, from a nobody named Arlo. So um, it was a watercolor painting with the title of the show. Um, and Adam were done. Adam and Paula were done in folded paper figures. But Beautiful. Dominic Sloniowski, maybe, um, wrote in with this direction. I'm sure he'll correct me on his name as well. Um, just an FYI, this isn't origami. Origami has strict rules, which this doesn't follow. For example, you cannot cut paper in origami oh i didn't know that yeah it's the art of folding i i'm not sure that no i have it right in my hand now and i believe it is folded um but it's my mistake because arlo uh i i spelled it wrong it's origami oh So, uh, uh, so you know, we're, we're really we're both right. So, thank you, Dominic. I, I didn't know there were strict rules to uh, origami. Um, and but you were uh, talking about origami anyway. Yeah, I was talking about origami. And apparently, within the strict rules of origami, if you cut the paper, you can actually be put inside a a, a paper folded prison. Right, uh, cunningly very hard to get out prison. of. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to compliment hard, you, Paula, and me, because we have we have not yelled at any of our listeners during this segment so far. And we usually get, you know, our hackles get up, but it, it, that hasn't happened. Yeah, that's because I didn't say this yet. All right, Dominic, you fuckwad. Look it. It was just a picture, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, now... <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I was sorry I, back. I brought that up. I probably yeah, should have probably should have kept back. you from like, calling is, a listener a fuckwad. No, he's absolutely right. There's strict. I didn't know there were strict rules of origami. Uh, um, <laughs> and now I just feel like a sham. Uh, but but, but uh, you but know, anyway. I, I don't think Dominic was correcting you, uh, Tony. If I'm not wrong, Dominic was correcting you. Yeah. No, I sent it to Tony, and I told her it was an or- origami. By a guy oh. named Arlo, and it was oh, and it was lovely, and it was fun, and it was very sweet of him. And so, Dominic, you you of course you are not a you are not a fuckwad. I take that all back. Uh, and thank you for the <laughs> correction. And and Arlo, thanks so much for the picture. It's cool. Yeah, it it is, and I I feel like we probably as long as we're con- going to continue doing departments of corrections, we should add. In the weeks following the Department of Corrections, the Department of Apologies. Tony, do you have any others? We have one more, and this is for you, Mr. Felber. Um, one oh, of our house I, I'll take it. Bands, I'll take it well. <laughs> one of our house bands, Jay Clannon, uh, lives in Berthoud, Colorado. I think that's how you say it, because I uh, Paula pronounced... Oh, Paula pronounced it incorrectly. Yeah, it was for Paula. Oh, I thought oh. it was a cat of the week. My bad. Um, even though it says one of our house bands. Um, but S.J. Weigel wrote in to say it's pronounced Berthoud. Colorado. I think you said Berthoud, maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony, okay, it's pronounced so me... it's pronounced Wagle. S.J. <laughs> Wagle. It's actually, it's Weigel. And let me just say this. <laughs> there are two places in Colorado. One is Berthoud 
and one is Berthud, and I was referring to Berthoud, Mr. Wiggle, Mr. Weigel. Yeah, may, yes, SJ, maybe you want to uh, drop by Berthoud someday, look around, maybe you'll learn something, huh? Yeah, yeah. In fact, there's a statue to SJ Weigel in Berthoud, but of course but you, you would never know, know about that, it, SJ, because you? you spend all your time in Berthoud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and 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 we don't even know that that's. I don't know if that's S J or S. Uh, it just depends. It depends. Right. Pronunciation can be very difficult, which is why. Which is why the which Yale. Is why maybe he should back the fuck off, right? <laughs> I think it's a woman. Yeah, maybe she should back the fuck off then. <laughs> Telling Paula Poundstone she don't know the difference between Berthoud and Berthud? There's two places. I mean, how, why two would places. anybody think there was, you know, there's plenty of places to go around. You, That's you my don't point. Just have to have, you don't just have to have Berthud. And by the uh, way, who the hell wants to live in Berthud? That's a ridiculous name. No, Berthud. I once accidentally booked a B&B in Berthud because I thought it was Berthoud. Oh man, that's frustrating. That's not unlike the Four Seasons uh, <laughs> lawn place or whatever it was. What, what exactly was, the name of that place? was it? The Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Yeah, not unlike that. Yeah, it was not unlike um, that because I I thought I was going to be right near the uh, yard ornament museum, and I wasn't because that's in Berthoud. Yeah, not, you know, not, and, and, and I was in Berthoud. Berthoud it, it sounds like. Uh, um, a, a skydiving accident. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Or uh, a skydiving accident sounds like Bertha. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, uh, uh, I think their their high school um, team name is the Bertha Jumpers. Yeah, the jumpers, uh, and it's yeah. and it's a it's an amusing cartoon of a, of a mascot hitting the ground at velocity. Yeah, it's just oh, I don't think they thought it out. No. So many, so many of our town names just came from like towns. Um, well, not not by the time you get to Colorado, I don't think. But you know, so many towns in New England, of course, are just the name of uh, name of towns from England. They they weren't real creative yeah. when they came over. No, the no. But by the time they got out to Colorado, it was things like you know just what was happening when people found a place. Like like yeah. Zeke's tired Colorado, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> hey, look up there, Berthud. <laughs> you know that does remind that that actually does remind me that like uh, when wait wait don't tell me would do uh, Salt Lake City. Sometimes I would visit. This is the place State Park. Have you been there, Paula? No. It is literally called This is the place State Park because. As the Mormons fled across the country on their way to the Pacific, I guess Brigham Young got really tired, looked out of his carriage, and said, oh, my God, I'm, I, he's tired, he's sick. He's like, just stop. This is the place. Oh, wow. And that's Boy, how they, they found it, Salt them. Lake City. Yeah, and that's huh. some fuel for our future Department of Corrections, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to. That. I'm glad <laughs> they didn't name a lot of children then, you know, because... Uh, because most kids would be most kids would be named oh it's you <laughs> or well would you look at that <laughs> look what came out of me 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank God that's over. That that would be a big a big girl's name. Thank God that's over. That's Whew, I'm not doing that again. That's a beautiful name. <laughs> Have you met my son, Maximum Dilation? <laughs> you touch me again, I'm cutting it off. That's uh, it's a long name, but. Uh, you know, but a beautiful one. A beautiful one. Oh, a beautiful um, name, especially in the original language, in the original Greek. Um, Tony, Anita Hall, thank you so much for our Department of Corrections. Bonnie Burns, do you want to sing our Department of Corrections theme song to get us out of this um, segment? Yeah, I can do that, but I have one correction. Oh, oh. you do? Okay. Well, I was thinking about the D.H. Lawrence, you know, Faulkner thing, and it yeah. turns out, okay, so... I didn't read the thing like I was paying that much attention when I was looking up information on Herman Melville. And what it is yeah. is, yeah, D.H. Lawrence and Faulkner were influenced by Melville. He wasn't influenced by them. And yeah. now I'll go into the, what do you want, the theme song, the ending thing? Yeah, uh, Department yeah. of Corrections ending theme song. Da 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 Whoa, that is powerful. Um I think it's just lovely. I think for um anybody who's thinking of taking Professor Burns' course on Melville I think there's every reason to reconsider. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Paula, what's going yeah. on in the Poundstone product empire this week? Oh, I'm so glad. You know, I know a lot of people are kicking themselves for not getting their cat a Poundstone pussy pillow for President's Day. Oh, but I have you. two pieces of very good news. Number one, the four-inch by five-inch catnip-filled pillows with a cat joke on one side and an autograph to your cat on the other are still available. And two, cats refuse to read a calendar. Go to the store at paulapoundstone.com. You can also find my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness in paperback and the audio version on CD, on which I am the reader allowed her. That's paulapoundstone.com. Click around on fun stuff, including the store. All right. And also, you can, uh, you can subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You get it at no charge. Every week, just hit that little button. And if there is a subject or topic that you'd like to know more about, tell us. We're always curious. And let us know at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. It's hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam L. Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Anne Bancroft. She was amazing. And thanks to our amazing house band, Ansel Norris. Our show is Yay, produced by Paula Poundstone. Ansel. Yeah! Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hall. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by the inimitable Land Romo. Transcription services for the show are provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Man, I'm going to book such... a trip to Berthoud. Oh, yeah. 
um, Berthoud, Berthoud, um, the uh, rules for origami are so <laughs> strict. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, I don't tell anybody, but I have broken the rules before. No, not on that swan you gave me for my birthday. Don't, don't, don't tell anybody. Don't tell. Paula, you didn't, you didn't cut that swan with the scissors, did you? I um, <laughs> I I used a razor. I used an exacto knife. You can't do that. That's against the rules of origami. Are you crazy? We are gonna get in so you much. Could, you could have the origami police on your ass, Paul. And you know what they do? They fold you right in half. I know. And now you put me at risk because you sent me an origami swan. I have the swan. <laughs> you know what? Throw the swan out the window. Wait. There's a car in front of my house. I can't get anywhere near this one. Oh, shit. It's a folded paper car. <laughs> That's them. That's them. Paula, you got to get over here. Tell them you made it. Okay. You know. I don't want to die. I don't want to be folded. Get some okay. scissors. That's the only way to protect yourself. And a match. Get some scissors and a match. Okay. They're folded cops. They're paper folded cops. Oh, that's right. Do you have a shredder? I, I do. I'm putting it in the doorway. Get, get the shredder. Here we go. The shredder's in the doorway. Ready? Um, come in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Problem solved. Thanks, Paula. Yeah. Star Audio, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.